Over the last hundred years, I haven't been around that long, but it's pretty clear that living on planet Earth has got significantly better. Technology has advanced astronomically. Our ability to carry out complex health procedures has developed leaps and bounds, and our understanding of the world we live in has developed a hundredfold. And yet, despite having a much more pleasant world to live in, there are some things that just haven't gone away, some things that have just stuck around, and you get a sense they're not going anywhere soon. Like, how is it that we can put satellites into space and land rovers on the moon, and yet we can't get rid of filthy cockroaches? Like, we can achieve that, but we can't get rid of those vile, feral beasts. We know far more about human behavior and how the brain works, and yet we've never had more mental health and uh, depression. There are, there's more technology in a cell phone today than there was on the Apollo 11 that landed on the moon, and yet the ice cream machine at McDonald's is still out 90% of the time. There are some things we've just got to learn to live with, some things that will simply be around forever and just wishing them away will not remove the problem. And as we prepare ourselves as a nation to go into a general election coming up, I want to prime you on one of those things. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. First Peter also tells us that the word will remain forever, and in this instance, he's referring to the word of the gospel, not how Jesus says, I am the word. We know that Jesus is the word, but in this instance, he's talking about the word of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Jesus will always, 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 for all eternity, be good news. But there's something else that will last as long as people do, conflict and disagreement. Now, it doesn't matter how good we've become as a world, as a nation, as a society, how advanced we've gotten. People are always going to remain complex, unique, and will approach life from all sorts of different angles. And despite the frustration that this can cause, it's actually a good thing. See, often conflict is bad, but sometimes conflict can change our assumptions. It can have us reflect on our position, and sometimes we allow conflict to change our perspective on things. Now, years ago, a large statue of Christ was erected in the Andes, but on the border between uh, Chile and Argentina. And the statue symbolized a pledge between the two countries that as long as the statue would stand, there would be peace between Chile and Argentina. It was called Christ of the Andes. Well, shortly after it was erected, the Chileans threw their hands up in the air and they started to moan quite justifiably. They felt like they had been slighted. They'd been disrespected because the statue had its back turned to Chile on the border. And just when tempers were at their highest in Chile, a Chilean newspaperman saved the day. In an editorial that not only satisfied the people but made them laugh, he simply said that the Argentinians need more watching over than the Chileans. Now look, let's clarify. I'm not here this morning to speak about anything to do with the election or with politics. Who cares? What I am here to talk about is what will inevitably ramp up in the next three weeks, and that's a sense of disagreement between people. We value things differently and are moved by different issues in different seasons of our lives. I remember when I was a teenager and the things I valued the most was my car. That was it. There's nothing else I really cared about in this life. And then as I moved into my 20s, I started to value different things in that stage of my life. And now that I'm in my mid-30s, the things I think are most important are different once again. It's true that conflict and disagreement might last all our lives, but faith, hope, and love last forever. And the greatest of those is love. Love and conflict. Not the love of conflict, love and conflict. Those two things can actually coexist. We can live in a world with conflict and disagreement and we can engage with it in love. Not only can we, but God has actually instructed us to do that. See, it's obvious when reading scripture that Jesus was an enjoyable and pleasant person to be around. 
Like his disciples loved to be around him and spend every waking moment they could in his presence. They enjoyed it. And not only them, but all sorts of people like being around Jesus, right? The intellectuals, read of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. The sinners, he spent lots of time with sinners, but in particular the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Or doubters like Thomas in John chapter 20. Jesus had a sweet spirit about him. There was a gentleness, there was a sweetness, a comfort, a compassion to the way that he spoke with and engaged with people. That's not to say, and you'll, you'll quickly remember the moment where he flips tables in the temple, it's not to say he didn't get riled up about things. It's not to say he wasn't willing to stand up and fight for things, but that he was always mindful of who it was he was engaging with. Now, Paul makes this appeal to his companion Titus in the book of Titus to remind Christians of a few important things. Titus chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, we're going to read it together. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. This is for the believers. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. We are instructed to replace malice, envy, and hatred with a devotion to kindness and doing what is good. Paul continues in Titus chapter 3, verse 3 to 7. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves of, uh, to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy and, so evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us not only because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Paul is saying, we once too were foolish with quarreling, but then we experienced Christ and He showed us His kindness and we were changed. We encountered God and we moved away from that sort of behavior. See, if we don't have a sweet spirit about us, it's an indicator that we've forgotten what God has done and we haven't allowed Him to transform us. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you can just tell as you're speaking with them that they carry the presence of God? I don't know if you've heard uh, or seen rather these videos or these photos online. They're like memes. Sometimes they're photos. Sometimes they're videos. And they say something along the lines of this. Tell me you're a millennial without telling me you're a millennial. Or tell me you're an American without telling me you're an American. I was laughing with Darcy yesterday. There's a particular hug that Americans do. They stand together and they put their arms across sideways and they sort of like side hug each other for photos. The moment I see that photo, American, I know straight away. These videos or photos show something that is so characteristic of that group of people that you just know that they're a part of that group before anything has actually been said. Tell me a Christian without telling me you're a Christian. How? Sweetness of spirit, gentleness, humility, loving and peace-seeking. Now, there are many, many people here in this room that I'm just so blessed every time I get the chance to have a conversation with you. There's just something about them. I think of Wade Rowe. Many of you know Wade. He was playing guitar today, and he was on our panel we had a little while ago. Just such an amazing man, a sweetness of spirit, a gentle confidence regardless of the challenges at hand, a steady voice and a light in the darkness. I think of Norma Van Ruyen. Uh, I think, Norma, you're amazing. Every time I speak to Norma and she's smiling at me, I feel like Jesus is smiling at me. Thank you, Norma, for being like that. You're amazing. I think of Jules Asher, who runs our TOTS program, who was also on that panel we had recently. And if you heard her story, you would know that Jules has every reason under the sun to be bitter, and yet she's hopeful and confident in her God. She doesn't raise her voice and she presents Jesus so beautifully to the world. 
Uh, I heard uh, Anna's on staff with us, friends, our dream team, and her amazing husband, Paul. They recently were in Australia on a holiday. And they came home, and Anna was telling me about something she noticed while they were there on holiday. And of course, I share this story with their permission. They were having dinner on the beach as a family, and there was this guy there just by himself, just sitting a little while away, just doing his own thing. And Paul, who's such a natural evangelist, such a natural conversation starter, he just walked over to introduce himself and say hi. Like He's just so good at that. Well, turns out this guy had recently gone through a really tough breakup, and he was having a really hard time. Well, when Anna wandered over to the conversation a little while later, she was once again impressed at Paul's nature when engaging with people. Now, this wasn't a conflict. This wasn't a disagreement. But Paul was gentle, and he openly shared about church and even had a hug with the guy to comfort him in this moment on the beach. Paul, who was standing when they were having the conversation, when he reached out to get his number to stay in contact, he knelt down right to his level, looked him in the eye, to get, to get on his level. And I'm Anna telling me the story saying, this guy was so moved at Paul's gentleness and compassion. Paul, you're amazing. That, that was a brilliant example that day on how Jesus would approach a hurting person. Paul's sweet, humble spirit presented Jesus to a man on the beach that day. John 13, 35 says this, your love for one another will prove to the world that, we are, that you are my disciples. And as we journey over the next three weeks towards the election, And I'm not just talking about the disagreements that will inevitably rise over that and probably already have started, but all the other disagreements we find ourselves having in life. Could we be reminded today that there is a clear directive from God to hold a few things as priority? Firstly, to replace malice, envy, and hatred with love and a devotion to kindness, and to show the world that we're disciples by the way that we love one another. I want to present to you today two healthy mindsets that we can use or adopt as we enter into conflict and disagreement. The first one is this. The thing you're talking about is never as important as the person you're talking to. And I realize there's some flaws to that, but I'm presenting that to you because I want you to adopt this as a healthy way to view it. It might not be that the thing you're talking about is never as important as anyone, but on every individual occasion, if you treat it that way, you're going to represent Christ well. The thing you're talking about is never as important as the person you're talking to. There are hundreds of things in this life that you can choose from, that you can take an option from if you want to get riled up. And that's because we're complex. We're a messed up people. We're a broken people in a broken world. So of course it's going to be that way. Now that doesn't excuse poor behavior, but we just understand that the things that are most important to us are not always the most important to other people. I'm glad it's this way, even though the selfish part of me wants everyone to see eye to eye with Frosty. I want everyone to have my views, but it's simply not that way. Because if we all cared the same about just the same one or two things, and we didn't care about the other, other things, there would be some really important matters that were neglected. This is the beauty. There's beauty in the fact that our hearts break for different things. This is often in the past been referred to as a holy discontent. The thing that stirs you like nothing else, and it doesn't always stir other people in the same way. This is a huge challenge we face as Christians, is to not use any holy discontent that we personally have to justify being rude and disrespectful to others. Look, I know your conviction is important. Of course it is. But Jesus didn't die on the cross for the salvation of our ideas. He died on the cross for the salvation of people. People are always God's priority. And if Not winning that argument or not convincing the person in that moment allows you to maintain love and respect. It's probably worth letting that one go. Now, do I personally think the tax system should look different? Yeah, I do. But I would rather convince you of Christ than my thoughts on tax. 
Do I think the healthcare system needs major improvements? I do. But I would way rather convince you of Christ than my thoughts on healthcare. Do I think there are key moral issues misrepresented in current policy? <laughs> you bet I do. But even still, I would rather convince you of Christ than what I happen to think on those things. And while it doesn't have to be one or the other, John is clear that we are known by disciples by our love for one another. Not our awesome debating skills or our convincing linguistics, but by our love for one another. Now look, argue, debate, suggest ideas. But the moment it comes at the expense of the way we love others, the way we remain gentle and humble, I think that's the moment you realize you've come to the wrong place. If you find yourself mocking, getting snarky, or deploying arrogant sarcasm, you've arrived at the wrong place. This approach doesn't represent Christ well. See, you may win one battle, But as an ambassador for Christ, you might also be losing at the same time the most important one. Romans 12 verse 14 to 18 says, Bless those who persecute you. This is hard. Don't curse them. Pray that God would bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way, get this, that everyone can see that you are honorable. Not right, not correct, not of greater revelation, but do things in such a way that people can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. See, every disagreement or argument has a piggybacking disagreement that comes with it. There are always two conflicts at play. The thing you're discussing and who you represent. Don't allow a disagreement to distract or derail you from your first and primary assignment to represent and honor Christ with your life. People knowing Jesus is more important than how we tax the wealthy. It's more important on whether or not we get free dental care. It's more important than society's approach approach to euthanasia or how the government manages the finances. Of course, all of those things are important and are worthy of robust discussion and debate, but don't leave your post. Don't get out of position. Don't remember your primary objective is to represent Christ well. And I'm not suggesting that every single issue is less important than every single person that's standing in front of us, but this this might be a healthy mindset to approach in any individual conversation that we come into. See, sometimes we get so worked up by something that means so much to us that we think at all costs, whatever it takes, I've got to convince someone or change their mind. Nope. Romans says, if at all possible... Live in peace with one another. That's the if at all possible. Two men lived in a small village and they got into a huge argument that they just couldn't settle. And so they decided they would take the argument to the the village elder so that he could settle it for them. Well, on one evening, the one man comes to the elder and he gives his version of the story and the elder hears him out and responds and says, you're absolutely right. Well, he leaves feeling quite pumped about himself. The next evening, the other man in the argument comes to the village elder and he shares his side of the story to which the man hears him out and says, you're absolutely right. And he leaves. Well, the elder's wife scolds him. What do you think you're doing? These two men have come and they've shared two completely different sides of the story and you told them they're both absolutely right. That can't be. Well, he turns to his wife and he says, you're absolutely right. The thing you're talking about is never as important as the person you're talking to. Secondly is this, assume well of people. Assume well of people. Over the next three weeks, all of us are going to be exposed to content that will feed our confirmation bias. 
what that means is you already hold certain views and beliefs, and so naturally you take an interest in those things. Social media algorithms are going to give you more of what you click on and less of what you don't. And you're going to view neutral news stories through tinted lenses. You're going to hear the same thing that somebody else hears, and you're going to conclude completely opposite things because we are hardwired to hear what we want to hear. Confirmation bias means we're exposed to more of what we agree with and less of what we don't. We have to be so careful to distinct, distinctly identify the problem and remove it from the person. See, if you look at American politics, it's become so unhealthy and toxic because there's such a divide politically that some people can't even fathom or tolerate having a conversation with someone that has a different view. On Tuesday night, I watched the debate between Chris Luxon and, and Chris Hipkins, the, the national and, and labor leaders. And I'm not here to comment on the topics themselves, but there was something in the debate that was really pleasing to me. They were both asked this question. They said, oh, we want you to answer this question, both of you. What is it that you like and admire about the other person? I couldn't imagine them asking that in a US uh, political debate. They both essentially said the same thing. They said, we both respect how the other one makes time for their family. We both think the other guy is a pretty good guy, but we agree completely on the right way to run the country. It was so refreshing to see people disagree with ideas, but not put a stake in the ground that the other person was an evil, demon-possessed tyrant. You see more of this in American politics, unfortunately. It's like, if you think this, you're evil. If you think this, I hate you. If you believe this, God will turn his back on you. I'm just here to tell you that's nonsense. I'm just here to remind you of two things, that God calls us to love one another, whether or not you agree with them. God calls us to be tender-hearted and compassionate and loving towards people, not just those when it's easy, but those who we disagree with. And I'm here to remind you that God isn't one of the political parties that you get to vote for. He already has the majority. He already has the victory. 1 Peter 3 verse 8 to 12 says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, who wants to enjoy life and see many happy days? Yep, I do. So I want to know what comes next. If you want to enjoy life and experience many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. That's encouraging. The Lord sees those who do right, and he is open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face away from those who do evil. This election will likely go one of two ways. And guess what? Both of them have Jesus on the throne. None of them have the ability to dethrone the majesty and the power of the God of the Bible. And while one option may sit better with your moral compass, I can assure you that either way, there is no reason to fear. And that's not to say the result doesn't matter. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just reminding you that it doesn't get the final say. Jesus is still on the throne regardless of what happens, and he sees the beginning from the end. So you will usually come to one of three conclusions when speaking to someone who you disagree with. All right? You will probably conclude this of the person. They're different, they're dumb, or they're evil. Right? There might be others, but you'll probably conclude one of three things when you talk to someone you disagree with. That's ah, different. They're dumb. Or that's just straight evil. They're different. That's always true. 
We are so unique, not just in our fingerprints, but we were designed differently. We have different childhood experiences and, and all sorts of stuff that wires the way we see the world. We're always going to be slightly different. It's okay. Our way is not always the right way. It's just our way, and that's okay. Being around people that think differently but do so respectfully is really healthy for us. Jesus often spent time with sinners. There's no way he saw the world the same way that they saw the world the same way that he did. He spent time with these people. Doug Baldwin, a former American football player, he said, the greatest tragedy for any human being is going through their entire lives believing the only perspective that matters is their own. You might conclude they're different. You're right. They always are. You might conclude they're dumb. Uh, more politely, they hold a view that you think is ill-informed or uneducated. Uh, Felipe Galak, a Belgian comedian, said, when you're dead, you don't know you're dead. The pain is felt by others. The same happens when you're stupid. I honestly think the most important thing here is to recognize that almost everyone out there is just out there giving it their best shot. Almost everyone, not everyone, but almost everyone has good intentions, um, but not everyone knows how to execute things well. They aren't malicious, they aren't divisive, they probably aren't turning their backs on God, but they perhaps understand a little less than you do. They have less of the picture and so they approach it differently. You know, if I just got in Boston's face about being uneducated, it would be pretty uh, inexcusable of me. He's two. He doesn't understand what I understand. Jesus' disciples often didn't understand. He's like, but rather than just saying, get lost, get out of my face, he was patient and he taught them and he showed them another way. Boston thinks eating snacks all hours of the day is a good thing. He doesn't know that it's unhealthy for him. He means well, he has good intentions, but he sees less of the picture. Now, if Boston was voting, he would vote for more snacks and no bedtime. Right? But I'm graciously trying to show him another way. Could we be a community that elevates and helps one another? Could we be a community that assumes good intentions of one another? And I need to say this because that requires humility for you to know that the way you see something is not the only God-honoring way to view it. Well, that's the, this is the only way that God would agree with. Sometimes that's true. Don't murder. Yep, don't do that ever. There's no really alternative way to view that. But there are a lot of things uh, where God can be honored with alternate views. Proverbs 27 verse 17, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Could we be friends? Could we be a community? Could we sharpen one another in love and grace and humility? The other day, a few of us staff and interns, we popped over to New World for lunch, as, we, uh, that, as is our custom. And uh, we popped over there, and the most bizarre thing happened to me. And I'm sorry I can't remember who it was, because I really I would like to have named them. But um, we're over there for lunch, and we get to the check. We all go out, and we grab our things, we go through the checkouts, we wait for each other, we walk back, right, because we're friends. I'm at the checkout. And I noticed, and I think it might have been Samuel Vincent running Power Zone, but I'm not entirely sure. I noticed he had like three or four bananas. And I'm like, bro, you must love bananas. And he's like, oh, I, I couldn't find a single one on the table, so I had to buy a bunch. And I nearly choked on my own tongue. I said, <laughs> it might not have been him, it was, it was one of them. You know you can like break one off, right? Like, you know you can just buy as many as you want. He's like, really? I didn't know that. I couldn't find a single one, so I had to buy the whole bunch. And whoever it was, was genuine. And I had to control myself, right? Like, I'd be like, ah, what an idiot! <laughs> How have you lived your life? Like, 
no, the truth is it was just a different in understanding. They didn't know. They, they had no idea. And so because their knowledge of that thing was different, guess what? They acted differently. They weren't evil. They're not dumb. They just saw things differently. I was watching something the other day where um, it was like a marriage thing and people were giving marriage tips. And this one couple gave this really good tip and I thought I'd share it with you. They said, anytime we're in a discussion, we each have the right at any moment to say, speak to me like you love me. Because you know like discussions, it's a nice way of putting it. Sometimes they become arguments and sometimes tone gets out of control. And any moment you can just remind the other person, speak to me like you love me. Remember, above all of what we're discussing, you love me. Please speak to me like you love me. I wonder if we could adopt that. Speak to people like you love them. Even if you don't, (laughs) speak to people like you love them. But here's the thing, we do love people, right? Like we do. If I ask you, you do, you love people, but we forget and we allow our disagreement with people to climb the ladder and our love for people to fall back down. You might conclude that they're different they are. You might conclude that they're dumb. And thirdly, you might conclude that they're evil. And this is the difference I noticed when I watched this political debate on Tuesday. See, in American politics, you know, often the opposition is to believe to be like some living demon set on destroying the planet and controlling humanity. But in watching the New Zealand debate, it was, I reckon they're a pretty good person. I, you know, I've got no issues for the main part on their character. I just don't agree with the way they're approaching this. I just don't agree on the way to run the country. Now, listen. I'm not saying there aren't evil people out there. There absolutely are evil people out there with the most horrendous motivations that will go after whatever they want at any cost. It's just probably not Jenny's who, Jenny who works at work calls. Like, it's just probably not the new guy in your small group. It's probably not your local MP. It's probably not the prime minister. It's not me, I promise. The truth is, although there are evil people in this world, don't forget that Jesus is an unrivaled king. We are only ever voting to put someone in a 2IC position. Jesus is always king. And it's so unhealthy for us to assume that everyone that holds a view that we think is abhorrent is by default evil. There are people that think the views that we hold as Christians are abhorrent. But are you evil? No, you're not. You just see things differently. And if you think everyone who disagrees with you is evil, you're going to live a very exhausting and fearful life. Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7, and we're almost done. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Actually, you can join me on keys. There's certainly a spiritual battle going on. I don't want to play ignorant to the fact that there are evil people and there are demonic spirits and there are things going on. But the best thing for us to do in those circumstances is to pray. There is a God who is powerful that can do far more than we can do in our own strength. Pray that God transforms them. Pray that God opens their eyes. Pray that they would have their influence minimized. Pray pray this, God, save them or remove them. Save them or remove them. That one is a battle for the Lord. Leave God's battles to God. You read all the time in the book of Kings, right? All the, like, at the start of all the different chapters, like, and this king did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And this king did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And this one did what was evil in the, in the eyes of the Lord. There's a big mixture there. Guess what? They're all dead. And God is still in control. I say that to say this. You can trust God with the big picture of humanity. In fact, He already knows the end. And it's not that we shouldn't fight the fights that we need to fight, but you can take confidence and refuge and solace in the fact 
that God wins this story. Commit your concerns to Him. Assume the best in people and focus on fighting the battles that God has called you to fight. We can't change the human heart, but God can. Are they different? Definitely. And that's okay. Are they dumb? (laughs) Maybe. But what's their heart? Are they evil? Maybe, but probably not. You are a unique creation. You know that as well as I do. Knit together in your mother's womb by God Himself. And He's a close and personal God that searches your innermost being and He knows the toils of your heart. You are a son or daughter of God who will go through a range of different opinions, beliefs and stances throughout your life. And that doesn't change your identity in Him. The same can be said of all the other people that you interact with, whether they know God or not. See, we can be so quick to pour heavy duty super glue over people and their ideas. We make them completely inseparable. We think, how could I possibly love and respect a person who thinks that? How could I possibly love and respect a person who lives that way? If you want to know how, you look to God. We consistently hold misplaced beliefs. We consistently mess up and sin against God. And yet God separates what we think and do from who we are. Thank God for His grace. That's not to say there aren't consequences, but that it is possible to firstly see the God-given value in someone and then lovingly speak to our disagreement of ideas. Remember what Paul said on it. Just cycle back to a verse I shared earlier. Second half of it. 1 Peter 3, 10-12. For the Scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. If you want to enjoy life, turn away from evil, work to maintain peace, keep praying, and know that God will deal with those who do evil. Two healthy mindsets to adopt. The thing you're talking about is never as important as the person you're speaking to and assume the best in people. Three things last forever. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. God, I thank you that not only do you see the beginning from the end, but we can see the end. We already know that you have the victory. We already know that you're in control. We already know, God, that you have dominion over the earth. And, and sometimes, Lord, we can, get, we can get really upset and we can get frustrated and we become disillusioned and we can allow certain matters in our world to rise to the top and we can just forget, Lord, to love others. We can forget to speak to people like we love them. We can forget even as a body of believers in this room today that we are united in Christ. We're brothers and sisters. And actually that it's possible to have different views but still be united in Christ and still be brothers and sisters. And I pray, Lord, I pray for a comfort and an ease and I pray for an anointing over every heart to see with different eyes over the next few weeks. As we approach the election, God, let each person vote. Let them do according to their conscience. And I pray, Lord, each one of us would seek you on how we should vote. God, that we would hear your voice, Holy Spirit, and that we would all in the room understand that you might not actually be saying the same thing to every person. And that's okay. You're in control and we trust you with the big picture of humanity. So I pray for unity and I pray for us to be bound together in love and I pray for an increase in grace and understanding and we pray for your will to be done 